0: Welcome to Service Sharp. This is a podcast all about ServiceNow. We'll be talking strategy, architecture, technology, and everything ServiceNow. This podcast is not affiliated with ServiceNow. The opinions expressed are our own. We're just people that are very passionate about the platform. Join us for every episode.
1: All right, welcome back to uh, Service Sharp. This is Jason Gibson uh, with me today. Uh, We have, of course, Randy Haas and Brent Peters. Uh, We have a new special guest today, uh, and that's David. David, I'll let you introduce yourself uh, and tell us a a little bit about you.
2: Hi, everybody, great to be here. Uh, I'm David Stefford. I'm an ITX architect with Accenture. Uh, I've uh, been out there trying to help people understand all of the components within uh, within ITSM and ITOM and ITBM and ITAM, the the all of the its, uh, and help them understand what that means when they all start to work together and what those advantages look like.
1: Awesome. Awesome. And of course, you know, uh, you know me, Jason Gibson, you know, I'm kind of old hat here. Um, and uh, Brent also, the the guru of ServiceNow, he's here. Uh, and our fearless leader, Randy. So we're all uh, here having a good time. Uh, I wanted to start uh, to talk about uh, service mapping and application mapping. And David has a lot of experience with 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 that and the understanding of it. David, will you kind of explain what service mapping and application mapping is?
2: Oh yeah, you bet. So, um, ServiceNow built its business as a way to help companies understand that what, what IT is, is delivering is some form of service to the business. Um, and as this starts to expand into, well, how do you run IT service management, you get lots of, lots of underlying frameworks that help people understand how to run the process um, like ITIL within ITSM that, that helps, helps differentiate between you know, what constitutes an instant incident or a problem or a change uh, that then affects what those services are. Then you throw in discovery that helps you understand what your infrastructure looks like. Well, guess what? Now you need to map the service level thinking of this is what I'm doing to the business into each of the individual components in infrastructure that are necessary in order to deliver that service to the business. So if you think of something extremely simple like a WordPress website, uh, you take the address of that website uh, as the entry point for service mapping. Um, And then ServiceNow Service Mapping will then try to investigate what that means. It starts by ensuring that that address resolves to an IP address. It'll attempt to find out what kind of server that that's running on. It'll find out what that address is doing. So it begins to describe the the underlying functions and then tries to put the pieces back together. you have a uh, an Apache server running on a you know running on Linux that then has a configuration that indicates that, that it has a some form of a SQL backend running on a different server and it puts all of those together and then that's your service map.
1: Okay. And and so is it um for those of you that know, you know, and understand this may be a little basic but is it top down is it go from you know the highest level, you know, application mapped all the way down to you know the server or to the the computer using it how does how does that work with the the structure well traditional the traditional
2: discovery actually Uh, goes out and takes a a broad list of all of the IP addresses that it should look for and then tries to find out what they are. Uh, And that ends up being horizontal, right? I'm going to go find this server, and I'm going to find out what's on it. I'm going to go find the next server, and I'm going to find out what's on it. And what you get is this broad landscape of what those things are. Service mapping is top-down in that the idea is that each individual component and its purpose is noticed, and and understood and then mapped. Uh, and then connected in a hierarchical model where you do understand at the top you've got the Apache Web server. Um, you know it, it, be- below that you may have a SQL server. And then supporting each of them you have your actual physical infrastructure. Uh, and I'm skipping over you know like virtual machines and, and some of the other components that can run there, but, right. but simplistically the traditional uh, discovery is horizontal. Service mapping is considered as as vertical. Trying to put each of those uh, each of those layers together into a into a map that actually makes sense from top to bottom.
1: Okay. Okay. And so, once you get all this map, how does how does this help the organization? What it, what does it do? Well,
2: actually, it does a number of things. Um, I would I would start by start by helping you understand that that significantly the reason that you have a CMEB um, is to help you know what it is that you've got in order to deliver that service to the business. I mean, even even if you think about that that horizontal discovery, just knowing what you've got can change your mind about what it is that you need to do. Right. Um, what service mapping does is it helps you combine the ITSN processes into helping understand what that impact is. So if you've got one team that uh, runs your, your SQL organization and you've got another team or even maybe just another person that's not in the same room down the hall that runs your Apache and then yet another guy who actually wants the, them to work together in order to deliver a WordPress site, then you need to know that the that the one guy down the hall that's decided he's going to take down the SQL server in order to in order to repair it or in order to upgrade it is actually affecting the site that this WordPress owner actually is is trying to deliver. So if you don't know how these components work together, uh, then you're not going to be able to deliver your service at the level that that the business side is actually looking to looking to have that delivered and the service mapping actually automates the ability of an organization to be able to automatically find out how they're held together instead of having all three people sitting in the same room say, okay, what are you running? What is it running on? You know, what operating system, what SQL version, et cetera, et cetera. And it's like writing it all down and then having it on a piece of paper that you say, okay, now when I'm changing this, it, I understand what these things mean. The, the communication between each of those uh, each of those people or each of those teams becomes a lot smoother. You know the business impact uh, as you're as you're beginning to try to operate your business.
1: So, um, operational intelligence, right? So the ability to understand what's going on in your systems to make good operational decisions would that be uh, kind of a good, you know explanation of what that part of it is
2: well now you see now you're throwing the doors even wider um, there <laughs> there are some some uh, some significant advantages when um, it's not just knowing how these things operate together uh, and how that supports from an ITSM thinking <laughs> Uh, the the ability to run automated monitors underneath those systems to indicate whether or not um, each component is healthy. So you'll have infrastructure monitoring devices that will monitor the you know the the, the physical server hardware. Uh, and the operating system make sure that there's enough disk space enough memory enough CPU uh, you'll have other monitors like at the SQL layer that will that will help you understand whether or not there the uh, you know the indexes are running correctly the um, the the headspace for the for the actual components on top are, are consuming the right amount of CPU memory um, and then you'll have you know another mon- yet another monitor to find out whether or not the uh, the Apache server is accepting requests. All of these monitors held together can send that data through um,
3: through Event, management
2: right? to be able right. to understand. Right. I mean, so now you've got more automation for understanding the health of that service, and it's not just that that uh, that you're supporting you know incident, problem, change, but you're actually able to think about think a little bit more proactively.
1: Well, and and I and I think one of the beauty, wow, wow, one of the most beautiful parts of this is the fact that you can use this data to reduce the number of incidents, to reduce the number of problems, reduce the number of um, you know issues you have with change management, um, basically you know reduce the number of outages, those kind of things because you can utilize the data you're getting to understand that we have events and those events can sometimes be handled and then nobody knows that you're running 80 <laughs> percent, you know or 90 percent, you know capacity um and you threw a warning well that warning can turn into fixing a problem before it even gets to be a major outage
2: absolutely now and that's that's kind of the beauty of the of service now running all of these components together is that um uh, those those events when you cross some critical threshold become alerts. Um, You can handle alerts individually, say, you know, disk space filling up on a a hard drive. Um, But you can use those alerts to take an automated action uh, where it reaches back out, where ServiceNow can then reach into that server and delete all the temporary files and then poof, you don't even have a human that's trying to trying to remediate this. Uh, right. You actually have the, the system responding together. Now, we'll, we'll go back to service mapping where it becomes uh, – it, it can become even more complex because even monitoring tools can take simplistic actions like you know, this, the, you know, this specific process fails, restart it, um, you know, and don't give up until it fails three times in a row. Uh, but with service mapping, you can see more context like the C- the, the, the CPU on the uh, on the application server is running high because you've got a significant load there that puts pressure on the SQL server. And then because these two are not, Individual events, but they both they are both focused on the same service. You get to see within event management and operational intelligence that these things are related to a single item, and it's entirely possible that they're related to exactly the same thing. Maybe there's nothing wrong with the SQL server because the application server is overloaded. And and by the way, by you know, vice versa. Maybe there's nothing wrong with the application server. It's that the SQL server was under load, and you can see these over time. And then all of that, all of that information, including the guy from, you know, from uh, uh, from down the hall calling up the service desk saying, "Hey, wait a minute, I can't, I can't get access to this site." Actually, all of those things are related, and you get to see that into in a single console. Uh, so you're you don't have five teams looking at the same issue. You can only call in the ones that are necessary, and you know how to how to call them early, and you can see the leading edge of those issues.
1: Yeah, You know, and that's, I think, you know, we talk about, I can't tell you many times we've talked about the platform and one thing builds on another service mapping is something that really needs it to be well flushed out on incident and change. So you don't, you're not starting with service map. <laughs> I mean, some companies do, but, it, you know, you need change and incident and, you know, the a good solid seem to be and, you know, good discovery for all of this to work well together, you know, and that's, that's where people miss it. They want to piecemeal parts of what they want and not other things, and then expect it to work like it was designed.
2: Well, and, and I'll even go, I'll even go one step further. Um, one of the, one of the major issues that we see a lot of enterprises engage in is um, they, they are reacting to, well, wait a minute, I need more visibility. Uh, well, wait a minute, I, you know, I know that I'm having problems in this area, so I'm just gonna invest in understanding what those problems are. And they don't actually s- take a step back and, and ask the harder question, what specifically is it that I'm trying to accomplish? Right. Um, so a lot of a lot of companies will measure the uh, the 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 mean time to detect and the mean time to repair, uh, and use these as metrics for maturity within their IT organization. How fast can you repair it? When really the underlying metric is service availability. Which services are important? How available do they need to be? And. Are we actually investing in making those services available the way they need to be? Now, decomposing that into how you know what to start tackling first, it might be that you fail in detecting something early. It might be that you fail in repairing it quickly. It also might be that you're failing because you've got a bunch of teams that are are tackling issues that you don't really care about that much. So you've got to make sure that you know what it is that you're trying to accomplish and why
3: so think- by by using this stuff you can I don't know a whole lot about this part I know discovery all that but by mapping your services um, I see it as you know you're going from like a, a reactive you can start learning from moving from, from a reactive IT to like a proactive IT by doing your you knowing what service is affecting what uh, and all that kind of stuff so I can see where this would really help move you along quicker because you, I, I, you can do service mapping manually, but I can see where this could make it so much faster and so much easier to keep up to date because getting people, the people that know what, what's what and where uh, and everything, getting them to actually keep it up to date is just, it's a fun thing.
2: <laughs> <laughs> right, yeah. yeah no, there, there are a lot of people that, that struggle with that. I mean, I think some of this is, is partly trying to, trying to elevate that game, right? I mean, yes, you're right. You, you start, to re- start to change your mindset from reactive to proactive. But then there's also the, the added step of let's go from proactive to, robot, to, to complete robotic process automation. Right. Um, where, where these components are able not just to self-heal, um, but that you're able to see that broader landscape. Because there's a lot of data out there that can be brought to bear to create that automation that then gets you out of that, I mean, even out of that uh, uh, proactive side. Um, and don't forget that some of this is also having good process, Mm-hmm. Um so a lot of people think about uh, about incident, but problem management is how you get your your you know your your business accepted workaround um to be either automated or you actually get a real fix installed, which mm-hmm. means that you've got to you've got to keep chasing the the items that are that are really important to business. And, and so good problem management doesn't go away. In fact, it becomes more critical, it becomes the place. Where businesses save the most, most, most money, because the uh, the the automation comes out of knowing really what's going on and applying resources to either fixing it or or creating something that that takes away the issue before it happens.
1: Right. All right. Yeah, you know, I see. I they see it happen a lot where problem is not focused on, where it is an afterthought um, and it doesn't get utilized like it should. You know, I'm, I've looked, I've worked for and worked with a, a significant number of organizations uh, over the years, and I've never seen one done. Uh, an implementation done as well as it could be. And, And have you found that the case as well, that we get to a point to where now it's time to automate or, you know, we, we just haven't gotten far enough or mature enough. I've been told you know, our organization is not is just not uh, mature enough right now. We need to bring them along slowly. I've heard all kinds of stuff. What is your experience with that? Have you have you found some the, some organizations that have done ninety percent of it right?
2: Uh, well, you know, actually, that's that's kind of a funny question. i I'll, I'll say yes to all of it. Um, I will say that typically I find that organizations uh, are are stuck somewhere um, they don't always know where they're stuck but they know that that something is not working the way that they want it to work they're not certain what that is they're not certain how to how to fix it so a lot of that means that you know coming in and running an assessment to ensure that you have the, the right level of understanding about what it is that that uh, um, it's, it's not performing the way, the way that they want to perform. A large number of organizations, uh, and in fact, I would say every organization I've ever been to, they're all trying to do the right thing. Right. Um, a lot of times they end up getting a little bit lost along the way. Uh, and mostly that's an organizational problem. People end up being entrenched in, in the things that they do and they can't see the landscape. Um, And really, to go back to talking about service mapping, sometimes service mapping actually gets a number of people within the organization that aha moment to go, you know, oh, my goodness, I had no idea that that thing was causing that problem Um, because it's not it's not visible in that in that one context. now. Because you know, again, if you if you have your your Windows admins and your Unix admins, um, you know, in different rooms, they don't know necessarily that there are two different systems running the same service. Uh, and and the, the the ability to have that that vision to what it is that's uh, that's gone wrong is is a lot of times a a little bit of a maturity curve for each organization. say, okay, how, where is it that I need to go, and how do I need to get there?
1: Yeah. Well, and I think that's where you guys, where 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 an external company or somebody that is outside the organization, in outside of the core organization, can come in and do a better job with with analyzing that and putting that all together. Um, you know that that's the one nice thing I like about you know um, about ServiceNow is is you can get entrenched, but there are enough people out there, you know, like Randy and you that know enough about that portion of it to give you good advice. Um, my only thing is I would say, don't be afraid to reach out and bring somebody in to give you that advice. And sometimes that's the best money you can spend. Uh, even above things like, you know, they'll spend money on development, they'll spend money on... Sometimes you need to spend money on uh, somebody to give you a good you know, uh, as, as you would say, cleaning and you go through, you see what needs to be done. You say, okay, we've got this figured out. Here's your path. Here's where I think you should be going. And, it, and, and like you, I mean, that you do a lot of that, right. When you're, when you're talking to customers.
2: Oh my goodness. Yes. I, the, uh, um, the, the one thing that every employee has, uh, has in common at your business is that they all have a vision inside your business, uh, and very few of them are going to have a vision outside of the business and it's a it, it is It is an organizational issue of of, uh, you know, how many businesses can somebody inside your organization visit? Uh, Consultants actually talk with multiple businesses, even within the same week, right? So, Mm -hmm. so recognizing where other people are, you know, have, have veered, um, recognizing all of the things that can be done, um, sometimes must have some form of a, of an outside vision. Uh, And the other, the other thing that, that consultants tend to bring, uh, and I'm not just talking about consultants because I am one, but uh, is that a lot of times inside your organization, you have not hired the expertise within the platform uh, to be able to know everything that the platform does. Uh, it, getting that level of expertise inside is extremely difficult.
1: Right, exactly, exactly, <laughs> you know, and I and I and ServiceNow is one of those tools that I've seen so many people say, "Well, you have so much great documentation out there, and they say that it's all low code, no code, why don't we just let everybody do what they want and and so often do I find that turned out really horribly, um so it it really does pay to get the right expertise. And it doesn't have to be an FTE. You can get your expertise from, you know, a company like Sharpstone or, you know, uh, uh, you know, an, an external consultant of some sort, you can bring them in to give you the, that, the, um, that kind of solid, you know, architecting, if you, if you would, um, but it does pay to go ahead and bring somebody in and know and know where your shortcomings are.
2: Well, I'll, I'll also I'll
1: also throw
2: throw in that um, uh, organizational change uh, is extremely to, difficult to affect from within the organization. Uh, so if you want to get better um, and you know that that entails that something has to change inside, you You really are almost, you, you almost require bringing someone in from the outside uh, in order to understand that that this component you know, sure, you can get your developers to, to do some low-code, no-code processing, but they will they, they tend to, to um, duplicate their current processes instead of take what's already out there, um, understand the, the framework of what's already been done and what, what you know, either, uh, you know, best practices or at least leading practices look like within the industry to say, actually, you know, from, from the outside, we're going to tell you, you need to change your processes to do this as
1: well. Right. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. <laughs> so do you find when talking to the organizations as a consultant that you get – quite a bit of resistance or are they pretty, you know, open to that kind of change? Uh,
2: It's actually all over the map. Um, I I will tell you that uh, no matter what the organization is, um, I mean, even, even organizations of, of relatively small size, uh, you should have enough diversity that some people will be resistant to change. And that's, that's going to be healthy. Um, And what you need is the organization to be able to recognize what change might be necessary and, and how they want to affect that change to ensure that when you actually have that call to change, that you're able to use some form of organizational change management to say, okay, everybody, we're all going to get on the bus. and We're all going to go this way. Um, So even the resistance and those barriers need to be broken down. A lot of that has to do with, you know, communication and making sure that that everybody understands the reason for change. Uh, And I'm not an organizational change management expert, um, but we do use them in almost every engagement because you have to help explain to people, you know, why, when, how, uh, and 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 what the actual urgency to that change, what that really looks like.
1: Well, and, and to be honest, it has to be from the from the top down. Um, you know, any kind of organizational change has to be uh, spearheaded by the by by the top of the leadership, whether it's the the CEO or the CIO. Uh, the the top leadership needs to you know be a part of that change, or it's kind of, you know, it's going to be a difficult, I'm not going to say it's impossible, but if you don't have that buy-in, it'll be a very difficult, uh, difficult time to get where you're wanting to go.
2: You know, I I will agree about 99% with that. Um, I I have, I have seen one organization in my time uh, that was frighteningly efficient at being led from the bottom. Uh, oh, that's where, cool. you know, the, the listening needs to happen to the people who are on the front line. Cause they're the ones that ha- actually have the best data right. uh, and they're, they, they need to be able to adjust based on, on what that actually looks like. However, even within that organization, nobody would change without permission from the top. It's right. not necessarily driven, but it absolutely must be supported and explicitly supported <laughs> from the top. Otherwise no organization will change. All
4: it takes is
2: one person at the top saying no, and then everybody will stop.
4: Yeah. I think that that's, uh, that's an important distinction to make that, you know, to get really, really efficient at being an agile company. People throw around that, that um, <laughs> term all the time, and they don't know what it means. Um, but, you know, the, to really get efficient at that, uh, you've got to do that. You've got to take data from where it's the most fresh and the most accurate, and let that be the driver for what you're doing. Uh, and, and to do that, you've got to you've got to establish those channels of communication, and um, and trust. You know, it really comes down to trust. Creating a culture where, um, if I'm at the the lower level, I don't fear that if I bring an improvement, it's going to lead to my job being phased out. And at an upper level, uh, I've got to be able to encourage people to come up with ideas, even if they're not great. Um, just because it's in that turn, you're going to generate a hundred ideas and one of them is going to be a, a, you know, a million or a billion dollar idea, but 99 of them have to be tried kind of thing as, as you're moving
3: along.
2: Uh, yeah, no, I, I'll, I'll, I'll pile on cause that's, uh, that's what I love to do. Um, the, that, that level of trust within from the top to the bottom, uh, is so critical to running an efficient organization. Um, it's not just that the bottom needs to trust that they've got support from the top, but it also means that the top needs to needs to trust the bottom that that, that they're going to be able to uh, to to lead in the right direction as well. Because um, in an organization where that where that communication doesn't exist, uh, you know, I can guarantee that they're that they're that they will be struggling within their industry. I, I've never I've never seen one. Uh, I've never seen one that is you know entirely run from the top down, expand to be something that, uh, that actually leads the industry there. Will, they will, they will, they can often lead for a short time and then lag behind very quickly.
4: Yeah.
1: I mean, look but, at you know, Chick-fil-A, right? I mean, it, Chick-fil-A is a good example. They, they actually, what I call push down authority, they push down authority all the way to the people that's serving you. I mean, they give that ability for that person on the line to make whatever you're problem is right they don't have to go get a manager they don't have they they are trusted to make the right decision and keep in mind these are young kids but that trust it 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 makes them more accountable and it makes them have the right mindset and make the right decision and so it, it kind of
4: feeds up and down from there it's kind of you know i mean here's the thing um to pile on to the pile on the the it world makes everybody it, it's an equalizer you know there aren't there aren't a lot of just unique tools anymore you know i mean that, that's the pur- purpose of service now is to say you don't need 50 tools you need one tool that can do it all and pretty much service now can or you can build it or they're building it and they release something new every six months so if you've thought of it if it's been a problem somewhere somebody there is working on and adding it to their platform um the mm-hmm. differentiator is the people and it, it, and and that's where you know, you take a company from being good to great and from being great to excellent. You know, I saw this, uh, a deal with, on, um, analyzing Usain Bolt and, um, and his nearest competitor, whose name I have forgotten. i I apologize to whoever I'm offending for that, but, um, you know, here's the deal. Everybody knows how to run, right? Whether we're good at it or not, everybody knows how to run. I, I look like a, like a, uh, penguin trying to, trying to, uh, get out of the oil or something like that but um you know everybody knows how to run it's in the fundamentals and the technique where he goes from being an average runner to the fastest that there is and and there's a video out there where it breaks down you know here's um here's his foot and the way it's it's landing um and this is why it's more efficient than this the person next to him and here's how it goes And, and and that's really building, unless you build a company or an organizational culture where your people feel like they can grow and add value, they're not going to grow and add value. And it's a fundamental thing that you think of. but I I run into like a lot of, a lot of leaders that when I'm talking to them, they're like, well, things are working for us. And I'm like, okay, I mean, that's true. Things are working for us, but it's the same sense that I can run, but I work 500 times as hard to get to the same place as what, Usain Bolt does when he's running, because he yeah, it, really, it, really, it, really practiced how to do it right.
2: Yeah, and I think, I mean, I'll, I'll throw out that um, part of what makes, you know, great to excellent is, is the ability to adapt to a changing environment. And I, I know that, that over the past few months that everybody is now beginning to wonder what resiliency looks like. Um, but resiliency in an organization uh, means the ability to try something and fail, the ability to trust that when you fail, you're not going to get fired, right? I mean, the the ability to recognize that that innovation is going to be rewarded, even if you don't, even if you're not doing a, uh, uh, even if you're not always doing exactly the right thing. And, want, and to continue company. the to, <laughs> yeah, yeah. To, to continue the sports theme. Um, Tiger Woods, when he was the best golfer in the world, actually rebuilt his golf swing twice. Mm-hmm. I mean, he was at the very top of his game and he decided he was going to change his golf swing. I mean, who, who does that? Yeah. I mean, <laughs> think about that from a, from a, from a business standpoint. How... How crazy is it to think we're going to change the way we do business? We're the best in the world, and we're going to change the way we do business. It's the ability to to recognize that you can adapt and do something slightly different because there's always change, even within golf.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
4: Well, and, I like the analogy of... Of, of sailing it, you know a lot of people think oh, I get in the water I plot my course and I go but here's the thing the, the current is always pushing from one side to the other uh, against you so you're constantly uh, having to make corrections like 100% of the time if you want to get to where you're going you have to make corrections every second of, of that travel or you're going to end up miles and miles and miles off and that's the way businesses are. You know, when you get to the point where you're like, Oh, we're doing great. And, uh, and I think that we should just protect what we're doing and not, you know, not make any waves. Well, then you're actually falling farther and farther behind. You just don't know yet.
2: Yeah, And I'll, I'll, throw in a, a book to, uh, uh, for you to buy, to, to keep on your bookshelf. Um, there's an awesome book called team of teams from Gen- general Stanley McChrystal. Um, and it's a, uh, he's, he's really specifically talking about the way that, that he led the military to change its fundamental approach. Um, but the impetus for change uh, came from an enemy that was able to adapt more quickly. Uh, you know, If you look at militaries as a, as a number of set pieces and you, you, know, you, you go in and you have overwhelming strength, well, we had overwhelming strength and we still struggled. Um, And what he found was that, that, that it was resiliency and adaptability that actually changed the way the organization worked in order to, in order to be able to understand that, that there's a, you know, there's a different approach um, that fits this specific scenario. Uh, And it was, and it is, you know what we've been talking about the past few minutes. It's it's all about enabling the people on the front with all of the information that they've got and the ability to uh, adapt on the fly. Yeah.
1: yeah. All right. So real quick before okay, go we're, ahead. We're, <laughs> Real quick, before we go any further, let's just take a quick break, um, and then we'll be back in just a couple of minutes after we listen to our wonderful sponsor, uh, and then uh, we'll be back to this uh, awesome conversation, and I appreciate you guys holding on for just a minute. All right, we're back with Service Char. Uh We are talking about everything today from leadership and uh, service mapping and making good operational decisions and uh, application mapping um so we were in the middle of a wonderful discussion you know about you know leadership and change and and being proactive in that change um and so one of the things that i wanted to to kind of throw out there real quick is is how many times do you know that guy who never makes a mistake? Well, the guy who never makes a mistake isn't pushing himself farther. My dad always told me growing up, if you aren't pushing yourself and you aren't making mistakes, that means... That you're not going to become better. And as an organization, it's no different. You have to constantly be pushing yourself forward. And you know you're gonna make mistakes. And that's okay. But it goes back to the the agile methodology. Let's fail fast, right? So let's, let's push forward. Let's let's take those risks, let's make those mistakes, let's pull ourselves up off the ground, and let's move forward with that. And and that's where I see a lot of organizations kind of lack. But as you guys were saying, those organizations that support the bottom are doing, I think, just that. What do you think?
4: Well, absolutely, yeah. I mean, it's a culture um, that you know the the ones that that are moving to the top and are cons- and are able to stay, they are the ones that are pushing um, culture and not just solutions and. And um, technology and and things like that, because the tech and the tools are great, but too many companies rely on those things as the answer to their edge or to what they're doing. And the the truth of the matter is, as soon as you do something well, somebody's going to study that and figure out how 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 to make that their edge as well. And so you have to build culture. Trumps you have to build um, the culture of. Excellence through failure—that uh, we've been talking about. Yeah. So, out of curiosity, David, what do
1: you think the 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 thing you've consulted with a lot of different companies? What do you think their number one culture issue is?
2: <laughs> you know, that's a, that, that's a really good question. Um, I would say that, uh, that that probably why we've been sort of pounding the table on. On allowing the culture of you know, failure and fail fast and uh, and actually I would even throw in fail early, um, the ability to allow people to um, to innovate and think uh, you know outside of their outside of their box um, is is really where all of the companies are are attempting to get today. Um, some of them are doing a, you know, a beautiful job of it. Some of them are, are, are struggling, but um,
3: uh,
2: I, I think it's really kind of ringing the, ringing the same bell. Right now we've got um, a, a fairly large number of companies that are, um, that are looking very closely at figuring out what it is that they're good at to make sure that they're able to continue those, uh, uh, to continue those conversations. Right. I mean, uh, let's, let's talk a little bit about what IT is. Um, you know, everybody raise their hand if they work for an IT organization whose major capability is the ability to repair what they run on the inside.
1: <laughs> yeah. Right?
2: Yes. It, it, right? You don't have to be. And, and, and this is, I think this is a little bit contrary to where a lot, of, a lot of companies think they are, right? You do not have to have the best IT organization in the world. Uh, in order to be efficient, you do, however, need parity, right? Yeah. You're you're unlikely to belong to a company whose major capability is the ability to run an uh, run an organization, uh, run an IT organization. Um, you are very likely to be inside of an organization that you know that runs healthcare, not IT, that runs education, not IT, that runs. Um, you know, that runs a consultancy and not IT, right? I mean, there's a, um, it, and that's one of the reasons that ServiceNow is, it has, has eaten their competition uh, is the ability to, to know and understand and give visibility to how IT can run efficiently as IT that then pulls people away from the operational tasks and allows them to do some innovation and investment level tasks, um, that you really start to see the change in the way organizations uh, run more and more efficiently.
4: Yeah. Right. Well, that, yeah, that's If you're an IT organization out. and you feel like that your value comes from your ability to get things going when they break, you're missing the mark.
3: <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. You're, you're likely to be replaced by, by robotic process automation soon. Right. That's not, I mean, you know, everybody is talking about AI um, and, and I can, I can demonstrate for you the the value of AI, um, but the, the the kinds of things that AI does is run the correlations that help you get to the resolution faster. Um, so if you're not able to learn how to work uh, work with the tools that are out there, um, you know, again, back to where we started, with service mapping right Bringing that context to what it is that, that you're delivering for the business or delivering to the business um, is how you start to get better and humans can do that and machines can't. service mapping accelerates the human's ability to, to, to get those answers.
4: That's exactly right And most IT people don't uh, don't aren't fluent in business you know aren't fluent operations. Uh, I mean there are quite a few savvy, Uh, IT people out there but by and large uh, you know a lot of a lot of IT organizations kind of like to live in a bubble of you know the business wants to do this but we're making this cool stuff or we're doing this cool thing and um, the service mapping and the underlying you know root cause analysis and things like that 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 you go on when you embrace that that actually helps you talk the same language as as the business and so all of a sudden when you go to the the board and you say, you know, look, we're not gonna make it unless we hire three more people that have this skill set, this skill set, and this skill set, you get the data to back that up. You know what I mean? Uh, you've got the you've got the language to to say that. You can go to them and say, look, if your strategic pillar is I want to reduce costs by X amount, da da then you've got to spend money here because of this. You know what I mean?
2: Yeah, Yeah, you know, I I hate to say you're you're kind of uh, you're begging me to start talking about the application portfolio management and some of the some of the higher level some of the higher level thought processes that are that are actually available within uh, ServiceNow because service mapping gets you to a service level construct, um, and then you you can start attaching you can use the service portfolio attaching to the application portfolio as the actual bridge to bringing those conversations di- directly to the, uh, um, to the, to the business. Right. And now you're, now you have business and it talking exactly the same language.
1: Right. And, and isn't it great how, when you bring in that, the application mapping, you can, you can do things like, an you know, analyze your duplicate applications. You can start having those, you know, cross-platform conversations about where's the best to put these things. And uh, I think it helps in a couple of ways. I think one of the ways it helps is it breaks down silos. It pulls all the data into one place so everybody can come together and look at the data and make decisions effectively.
2: Yeah. And I, and, and a lot of times, uh, and I think, you know, because business leaders are not going to come to IT and say, you know, help me understand, you know, what inside that that data center or what inside that cl- cloud you're using. Uh, and if they do, they actually want to know what it costs. Right. right. I mean, why does why this thing <laughs> cost so much? Um, but, but IT often starts with, you know, hey, I need fifty million dollars because we have to upgrade every single Oracle instance that we've got, uh, and the business is going to go. Mm, we're running fine, so no. Um, but when you are able to turn that around and say, this system here, which is delivering this, um, is absolutely must be upgraded because these are the problems that we're having. This is what the cost is. This is how many people we could save. This is how much money we could save. The business says, awesome, I will invest $50 million in order to save seventy. Yep, absolutely. And sometimes they'll invest $50 million to, to, set, to, to save $50 million in one because they'll see that that may be a first step to the next one but you you have to have the business language to be able to do that you're highly unlikely to have that business language unless you've got some idea of how your services are held together and then how how that attaches to an application you're so <laughs>
4: going to find get that picture built you're not going to have the time to learn the business language you know that and that's that's one of the crucial things about it until you embrace embrace that and figure out you know we've got to have this cohesive management we've got to have visibility down to this level and and up to this level uh that's the only way you're going to free up the time to really you know get that conversation where it needs to be and, and it is about
2: moving people out of operational activities and into investment activities. Right. Um, you know, invest this amount of money because you know, this team of 10 is, you know, is struggling, but if you invest a little bit of money, then we can reduce that team of 10 to a team of eight. Now you've got two more people, I mean, same budget and you've got two more people to do something else with. Right. right. It's, it's that level of reaction that, it, that, uh, that allows people to, 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 to where the business starts to go, Oh, okay, I can do that.
4: Other benefit is you can throw away that sticky note that says reboot server X every Monday. <laughs> <laughs> yeah,
1: yeah. Well, and, and 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 the nice thing that I, I look at is there is a, a leadership coach I really like that says, you know, do more of the important and less of the urgent. And the more of the important you do, the less of the urgent there will be. Uh, and that's what we're trying to get to here. And there's no tool in the world that can do what ServiceNow does on this front. And it gives such great insight and such uh, uh, good leadership insight to be able to make decisions effectively. And that's one thing that I've never found anybody be able to even say they come close to uh, when it comes to you know this kind of this kind of data and this kind of information.
2: Yeah, and and making making decisions visibly as well. It's not just that you can make the decisions, but you can. Uh, you know that sticky note that says this is important can be recorded in the right place inside ServiceNow, and now everybody knows that it's important—not just the guy who had it in his office, right? I mean, if if it is important every morning to reboot that server, you know everybody should be able to know what that means and what the impact right. is. Um, and and that's that is partly what that what that portfolio view gives you is um, when the when the business says it's important, you know it's important.
0: When IT says it's important, nah, true, <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
4: very true. Hopefully, if you're if you're doing the problem management part of it right, you you figure out, you know, why that sticky note was put there in the first place instead of just keeping it around.
2: <laughs> now, there, there are absolutely a lot of process ways to, to start to eliminate your sticky notes. Um, but, but you know, again, it, it, you know, we were talking a little bit earlier about about the importance of, of having um, executive leadership in to to support, uh, you know, and sometimes even direct what what's going on. Um, and I, I see a lot of IT organizations suffering from the lack of visibility of what's important because they don't know how to make the connections. Okay. People, that's where portfolio management and then that service mapping actually gives you the ability to say, this is important. Uh, And you should always be able to know what's important because the, when those, when those relationships exist inside of you seem to be boom, instantaneously, you always know what the impact is. You know, which, you know, if you've got 50 things to do, you have to know which one you've got to do first. It's not the first one you come across. It's the one that's the most important.
1: Well, and in the opposite side of that, you know the thing, you, you will identify the things that are not important and maybe need to be retired. Oh you know? no, absolutely.
2: I mean, there, there are a significant number of advantages, right? I mean, it, you know, every time I have these conversations, um, uh, I, I will tell you, I, I keep wanting to say, but wait, there's more, but wait, there's more. Um <laughs> There, there's, there's always there's always that one more thing we haven't even talked about uh, about the advantages to understanding what these mean from an IT asset management standpoint, right? I mean the actual cost of the underlying infrastructure, um, right. you know the, the age of the underlying infrastructure. Throw in that security also means to have have some visibility. Security is not going to be able to go to the business to 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 ask permission to shut off a service if they don't know. Uh, if they don't know what service it is that they need to shut off and they can't explain to the business. Right. I mean, all of this actually comes back into it for, you know, security is going to say, you know, we have to shut this off. Um, there's a, um, I, I can't give you, I can't give you really good details. Otherwise you might guess what, what this business is, but there's a, uh, uh there's a, a major media company that I was helping, um, uh, just a few months ago. Um, where security came to them and they had a documented breach um, and they were losing money and they're losing a significant amount of money and security said we have to shut off these servers Um, and the business said, well, but what will that do to our business? And security said, I don't know. Mm -hmm. So this company bled money for months because they could not guarantee that that would just abs- that, that, would, that, that wouldn't stop income, right? I mean, it was, it was okay to, um, to have their IP stolen. It was okay to have all of this data drawn out of the business um, because the business was saying, well wait a minute, if we shut that off, we won't make any money. We, we just cease to exist. Uh, and, and, and again, I mean, they, you know, some of these are, are some, some frightening stories around, um, around the, uh, the necessary components. Uh, and we, we have been talking a lot of times about what the operational effect is, but that operational effect is so huge to what the business is actually doing that, 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 uh, um, that the advantages across the platform are, are just enormous.
1: Yeah, absolutely.
4: While on the security side of it, I mean, your security group does not have a chance at keeping you safe if you don't have some sort of, some sort of really highly integrated, you know, service mapping, asset management going on. Yeah. I, well,
2: uh, I, since since I'm telling more stories, um, I was consulting with a um, uh, with a state government, uh, and they were they were. <coughs> They had a mandate for, um, for systems to be a certain level of compliance. Um, and all he cared about was that all systems had that level of compliance. Uh, and I think I argued with him for, for probably three days that not all systems needed to be that level of compliance. And he, you know, he's like, look, this law says so right here. And I go, mm, I'm, I'm relatively certain that the law does not say that because really the the actual effect of what he was asking for was everything that's a fire requires four alarms. Uh, and I was saying, you know, sometimes you need, you know, you need one guy in a pickup truck with a pump up sprayer. You don't need to bring out your entire fire department. Uh, and, and the only way to differentiate between the two is to actually know what's running what. Um, and, and I will tell you that I lost that battle for a long time until Um, until the right person in the right place was able to say, you know, okay, now the, the actual effect is we're being less secure because we don't know what a priority looks like.
4: Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly.
4: Yeah, that's, I mean, I, I've seen that in companies of all different sizes, that same kind of scenario play out uh, over and over where it's like somebody's got stuck. No, this is This is what this interpretation is, and there's nothing else that you're going to ever say that's going to get me off that interpretation. Uh, I just want to sit over here and hemorrhage money until, uh, until I bleed to death and someone takes over for me.
3: <laughs>
2: yeah, and I will say that the, the major problem that I see companies do, I mean, um, um, governmental agencies and governmental supported agencies are, are different beasts, but the, the number one thing that I see um, businesses have a problem with is that, that a, lot of, a lot of the people in security think that security rules, um, when in fact, all security postures, say for one, all security postures are a business decision. If the business says we're going to run insecure, the business gets to make that decision. Um, now, the the one exception is uh, compliance for PCI, which you know there there are there are specific uh, things that you must do, and you you're either across the line or you're not. Um, but but security often says you know must do because security says so. That's really not true. It's must do because the business says so.
4: Well, there's a there's some incumbent pressure on the business to actually define what their risk levels are what you know this is what we're willing to tolerate uh, because yes. when they don't then security kind of defi- tries to define that for them well and,
2: and security likes to do security i mean just like it likes to do it i mean if you if you threw a bunch of computers at me you know i, I could be happy for a long time because i like to play um but that doesn't mean that i'm going to i'm going to produce a business outcome <laughs> And I, I think that's the same thing with security. Security likes things to be secure, but you, you, you really have to understand what that posture looks like. And you're, you're never going to be able to achieve your posture if you don't have a good idea of what these things are. Um, and, and don't get me wrong. I, I will go back to saying I see a, a, a significant as in a vast majority of companies that don't know. Yeah. Um, so, so getting to the posture where you know and your competition still doesn't know you're already ahead of the game. Yeah, Yeah. and
4: and getting on top of, you know, to bring it back to the service mapping, getting on top of that allows you to define uh, that barrier between uh, risk management and productivity because, you know, I mean, the ultimate security is to take your data and bury it on a planet that has no other person on it, Uh, (laughs) but it's not functional, you know what I mean? But, you know, security, that's what they want, lock, 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 lock but there, you know, it's gotta be, you gotta figure out, you know, where that value stream is. And unless you have the data, you know, readily available. And the thing is, it changes from day to day and moment to moment. What that, where that magic stream, you know, lines up.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And, and, um, uh, and, and when you are looking at some security there <laughs> just to just plug ServiceNow again there is a way to, to expose what that data architecture looks like directly within the application portfolio um, so there's a there, there, there are so many advantages to having that that full ITX platform view
4: well and you know I, I tell you the experience that I have with so many companies with serviceNow is they buy it for a problem that they're having, um, and, and they only want to necessarily like apply the platform to that problem, and they completely miss out on this point that if they really, 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 really want to maximize their investment and take the money that they're spending and turning it into profit for the company, you need to do the whole thing. You, you need to get all the data that you can get and all the processes that you can get under that run, one roof.
1: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I,
2: I, I would agree. I, I mean, I, I will tell you, I... Um, <laughs> we, we consult with companies where, you know, a single roof is never going to, is never going to work. Um, but, but this roof can, can certainly cover a, a significant amount. Um, and, and I'll say that, that, uh, you know, this really is how you get your house in order to be able to, to be able to, to, to leave and go do other things, uh, instead of just, you know,
1: maintaining your house. Yeah, absolutely. So, if you were to give uh, David one piece of advice, one, you know, hey, whatever, one piece of advice that you want people to take away from this meeting and from this call and this podcast, uh, what would that be? What would that one thing be?
2: You know, it, it, you know, we started talking about service mapping, um, and I think that was a really good entry point for for what the. Um, For what we ended up talking about through this whole podcast Uh, and I'm going to go a little bit philosophical here Uh, it is best to know what it is that you do and why you do it because that's the only way you're going to know how you're going to get better whether or not you're going to be able to continue to compete Um, service mapping is a a critical component of understanding how you do something Um, but recognizing that not everything that you do is everything that you must do or everything that you need to do um, that you start to recognize that you know no company um, no matter how large their budget has an unlimited budget they are going to invest things in a way that gets them more advantages within their market um, so you have to focus on what it is that you do in order to say Okay, I'm going to invest into making this thing better. Uh, it's not just It's not just leveraging um, your operational costs to get your uh, to get your investments better, but recognizing that I need to be, be able to do this thing really, really well because that's where my market is.
1: Right, right. And if if uh, if you guys haven't read the Phoenix Project, great book. Um, it, it talks about some of this as well. Um, and so, uh, Randy Brent, is there is there any? I, I know that we've we've kind of pushed it on the time here. So I was hoping we'd wrap it up here. So I wanted to see if there's anything else you guys wanted to to kind of say to kind of close us out.
3: No, I'm good tonight. Okay. All right. I think
4: I better stay away from the, the soapbox.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, I, I, will, uh, I, I will promise that if you ever invite me back, I'll, I'll, I'll try to talk less.
4: I, <laughs> yeah, well, you know. oh. I, I tell you what, I've really, really enjoyed the conversation. I know that mm-hmm. um, I think that it's a folly to try to put together a podcast about technology and not not talk about the leadership and not talk about the philosophy and culture sometimes, uh, because it's the philosophy and culture that, that drives whether you're going to get the use out of it. So, uh, I'd love to continue the conversation and have you back.
2: Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. And, and, uh, uh, you know, I, I've said it elsewhere, and I'll say it here too. Uh, every company packages and ships their culture. Um, so culture is, is, is everything that your company is. Uh, so you've got
1: to be really careful with it. Absolutely. Absolutely. All right, guys. So keep in mind, everybody who's listening, like, share, make sure that we get this to all of our friends and family. Everybody needs to hear this because it is ServiceNow and ServiceNow is awesome. So um, even people who are not in IT, just send it to them anyway. We we want everybody (laughs) to listen to it. Uh, But so... uh, Remember that you can send us an email, you you know, send us some information through LinkedIn, uh, call us, text, whatever way you want to get a hold of us, get a hold of us. Uh, We'd love to hear from you. If you have any questions, uh, put it in the, um, you know, send us an email uh, and we will. Uh, try and answer those questions or uh, we'd love to also bring you on a podcast if, if you guys have a bunch of questions you, you really need answered. Um, okay well thank you for joining us and until next
3: time. see yes, you guys. Thank you. See you thank you very Bye. much.
0: We want to thank our flagship sponsor for this show the Sharpstone Group LLC. Sharpstone is your source for all of your service now needs. Implementation, development, administration, strategy, and architecture. Contact the Sharpstone Group today at info at or 405-594-0100. We'd love to answer your questions or have you on the show. Contact us at servicesharp at sharpstonegroup.com or find our LinkedIn info in the notes. Additional sponsorship opportunities are available.